0: You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.
1: It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas.
0: You know, it's a rivalry game for us, for them, and it's a historic matchup for our franchise, our alumni. It's not a division game, but it matters a significant amount, you know, and it's important, you know, and excited to compete, play in that slot, you know, and when you're playing in that spot, you know, you know you're the only one on and a lot of people watching you, and just I think our players are excited, our coaches are excited, I know our fans are going to be excited, so uh, Sunday night should be electric.
2: This is Unnecessary Roughness. Live from Buffalo Wild Wings, here's your boy Q.
0: Joining us now, kicking off hour number three of the show, It's Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We are live at Buffalo Wild Wings. Got my guy, Nick Shook from NFL.com. And, Nick, thanks so much for your time on this Friday. I appreciate you. Week three of the NFL season got underway last night. The 49ers get the victory over the Giants. It really wasn't close, but they kept it closer than they needed to. What did you see from the 49ers, and uh, how good are they at 3-0? Uh, I, I saw, I think, from Week 1 to Week 2 to Week 3, their offense has kind of declined in performance
1: by a week, but they've won these games in different fashions. The last two games have really looked similar in how they've won them. Brock Purdy was not super sharp, but he wasn't terrible. Um, he missed a few throws, and, but his best throws went for touchdowns. And, you know, they have a, a very well-balanced attack offensively. This is the 49ers that we've come to expect. You know, the ground game's working well with Christian Caffrey and Elijah Mitchell. The defense is playing well. Nick Bosley gets into the sack category early in the game. Javon Hargrave makes a big play during that game. It's just a well-rounded team. And, yeah, I know it's not, you know, shocking on its face that they won by 18 points, but they still won by 18 points. Like, it's still, you know, a quality win over a team that they flat out shut down. I mean, the, the Giants had 137 yards passed. Okay. You yeah. Jones, that was on 22 completions. There was nothing to be done offensively. They finished with 150 net yards uh, as a team, the Giants did. 3 for 12 on third down. Meanwhile, 49ers 9 for 16 on third down. That was a dominant performance. Oh, and by the way, time of possession um, almost twice as much 39 minutes and 10 seconds to 20 minutes and 50 seconds in favor of the 49ers. You can't win a game much more soundly than that. It's just that it didn't have the highlight real plays that you come to expect from. Elite teams, and that, by the way, is where I see them right now, as an elite team in the NFC.
0: You know, I'm glad you brought up Daniel Jones and his numbers and what it looked like. Of course, the Giants gave him the little contract extension in the offseason. It wasn't a big-time bag. It was only a couple years, about 80 million. dollars. How good is Daniel Jones in your opinion?
1: I don't think he's worth $40 million a year, <laughs> but that is also the situation in which the, the the Giants found themselves. Right. At quarterback date. They had two players that they wanted to keep, and they could only tag one. And they were going to tag the player who his position historically does not have as much longevity and isn't quite as important to a team's future as quarterback, so they tagged Saquon. What we found out last night was how much Daniel Jones needs Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. I mean, that offense, like I said, you know, just terrible on the ground. I mean, behind the sticks so frequently because they just didn't have that weapon in the backfield. Huge part of that offense, definitely worth the money that he's has been through. He was going to get to the franchise tag, the adjusted contract, which is less than a million dollars more than the franchise tag number would have given him. Um, but I mean, I had, it, Daniel Jones is part of why you know, I took a lot of flack from Giants fans in the off because I said you know repeatedly I was like, hey, they had a really great year last year, but I don't know if they can be any better any better than that. And that the natural assumption as a football fan and as a sports fan is that oh, you surprised people. You were better than we expected. So that means that like, you can only go up from here. That is definitely not the case. <laughs> Oftentimes, teams can be flashes in the pans. They can be flukes. They can be a team that maximized the talent that they had on their roster. And I thought that was the Giants sport last year. It is very early to declare them in the ground, You know, six feet under. You know, they're one and two. But what I'm seeing from them is what I expected. I felt like they maximized their talent last year. Daniel Jones is not a guy I think that can consistently elevate you to the next level that you need to get to as a team. Uh, it's got to be more about the team around him and then him working with them, you know, in tandem. He's not just going to go do it on his own. And um, I think we're just seeing the result of that. No matter how well Brian Dable coaches, uh, I think they're just running at some limitations. So, I mean, how good is he? No, well, I don't think he's even in the top 20 in my QB index right now. So um, I, th- I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know as I kind of cross-reference these numbers here. And I'll get a lot of flack from Giants fans, especially after the game he had against Arizona in the second half last week. Because he was dynamite in the second half last week. Oh, he's 17. He's 17th in my QB index right now. There so you really? go. There you go. No, yeah. and you know so, what? No, 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 he's not. No, he's 21. He's 21. <laughs> okay. I was, I, was looking at, I was looking at week one. I had him right near the middle of the league. And then, you know, he's he he played 12 quarters of football, and two of them have been electric. Four of them were so-so. And Matt tells him I got six left to work with, and those were downright dreadful. So that's kind of who he is.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I, I'm with you 100%. And I get that flack from Giants fans as well. They think that, or they say, they tell me that Daniel Jones is a lot better. And I'm thinking, I just don't see it. Maybe I'm off, but I don't see it. And I sure didn't see it last night. And I haven't seen it much this season. Like you said, two quarters against Arizona. And that's Arizona, a team that's, that's basically saying, hey, by the way, we're tanking. So I'm not really impressed when you come back and beat Arizona at the end.
1: Well, they're tanking, supposedly, at least when you look at them on paper, but they're playing really hard for
0: weeks. Yeah, they like, are. Yep. They were
1: right there in that game against Washington in week one before Washington's defense kind of shut them down, suffocated them, bullet constricted them to a loss. And then last week, you know, they took that huge lead and everything was great. I mean, Josh Dobbs is playing his tail off. Mm-hmm. He's definitely seizing the opportunity to be a starting quarterback, you know, temporarily speaking, based on when, whenever Kyler Murray comes back. But, I mean, they definitely play hard. I, I've been... Impressed by it. even though you know they're they're zero two going into this weekend, I've been very impressed by the effort level that they've given. They are not you know so dreadful of a team that they go into a game and you can tell they just lay down right away. They they still have some talent. They play like they're out to win no matter what anybody else thinks of them. It's just that you know the talent discrepancy often leads to losses, which is what happened in the last two weeks.
0: Nick Shook, NFL.com, is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Trayvon Diggs, he's out for the season for the Cowboys, torn ACL. They still have a really good defense. They're 2-0 on the season. Uh, how big of a blow is that for that Cowboys defense, having Diggs out for the year?
1: It is a big blow. Um, you know, Trayvon Diggs is a name that we all know because of the way that he started his career. But, you know, he's he is a bit of a boomer bust guy. Uh, if you look at the numbers and just kind of the tape, he's not the best cover corner. He's a very... Solid cover corner, but he's not like an elite cover corner. What he is, he's a super opportunistic corner. You know, that's what produced those interceptions during his career. And um, the good thing about this, though, is that, you know, the Cowboys, i got to give them a lot of credit. They had a very productive offseason in that they tried to look toward the future and build their team accordingly. Because they were caught kind of with the pants down last year at receiver when they moved on from Amari Cooper. But they didn't have anybody really left opposite uh, CeeDee Lamb. You know, Michael Gallup was coming up from the injury and everything else. They were depending too much on Jalen Colbert coming out of college and it hurt them and hurt them offensively for the majority of the season. You know, they went and got Brandon Cooks this year well, on the defensive side of the ball. They went and got Stephon Gilmore this year. They trade for Noah Monogany right before the, start of the season. They basically, you know, flipped the safety for a corner kind of thing. Or like, you know, somebody that down the back end that would fit in their defense more. And there's some depth there. If you really look at their depth chart, I mean, it's, you got Gilmore on one side, you got Ibn Agni, you got Deron Blant, who came out of nowhere last year to prove himself as a, as a quality defensive back. You still got Jordan Lewis, who I feel like has been there forever. Yeah. Um, so you got some guys in that secondary that can step up, but it's not a top-end starter like Trevon Diggs, so I think it will hurt. But man, this defense has played so well that I have a hard time thinking that they're going to take much of a step back on the back end, because that front seven has been playing lights out. Michael Parsons, of course, is yep. the leading candidate in that group, but... Leighton Vaynerchuk has played pretty well. You have Demarcus Lawrence there as well. There's a lot of depth. I mean, I, I look at their too deep, and I'm like, kind of like most of those guys, too. And Amadi Smith, first round pick, hasn't been playing all that much. But even Dante Fowler comes in and gets some all these snaps as well. And he's been in about six teams in, in his career at this point. So... <laughs> It's, uh, it's a good group that I think is going to miss digs, but it's not going to be such a significant blow that suddenly they're going to fall off the cliff.
0: No, it's not a death nail, that's for sure. Just hate that for the player. I'm glad he signed his contract already, the five-year, what, $95 million deal he got earlier uh, in the offseason. I'm glad about that because, man, those those uh, injuries just stink, man, and that's just the reality of the NFL, that injuries happen all the time. Speaking of injuries, in Cincinnati, Joe Burrow still dealing with the calf issue. He was dealing with it in training camp. Now he's dealing with it in the regular season. What do the Bengals do? How do you kind of remedy this situation, or do you? Well, I
1: give them credit because, you know, he, he was dealing with that catfish at the end of the game, but he did have a nice second half. And we we talk about somebody who had six quarters of bad football prior, that's Joe Burrow, you know, kind of like Daniel Jones did before the second half of week two. He just like, couldn't get much of anything going. That offense was stuck in the mud. And I wouldn't even necessarily say they had gotten out of neutral in the first year. But, you know, I mean, their first offensive touchdown of the year, or their first touchdown of the year, was not an offensive touchdown. It was a punt return touchdown by Charlie Jones. So uh, that kind of tells you where they were as a team. But the second half gave me, you know, room to believe that I think that they can produce a win this weekend, primarily because they're playing against the Los Angeles Rams, who have, like the Cardinals, been better than expected, but are still the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and I am worried about the Burrow calf injury, though, because I think one of the aspects of his skill set that is Often overlooked because he's such a good passer is his mobility, his athleticism, sneaky good allows him to navigate the pocket, get out on the run, extend plays, and, and make a difference more than just being a statue in the pocket. He has not been able to really get out and run very much, whether it's because the pass rush has been on him immediately or situationally just, just doesn't make sense. You add in the calf issue, and whether it's nagging or he's worried about being able to play or being able to move, well then suddenly he's much less mobile, and it takes away some of the things you can do offensively. They also, you know, they got a little bit of a contribution from Joe Mixon last week, you know, four and a half yards per carry on thirteen attempts, but in that game against the Browns, they had nothing there. The offense just hadn't really gotten its rhythm going. What was important to me was the fact that, you know, even without much of a running game presence and facing a deficit in early in the third quarter, uh, he was able to, you know, settle in and, and establish a rapport with T Higgins, against a guy who had eight targets and zero catches in week one. He ends up with eight catches on twelve targets, catches two touchdowns. And it made that game interesting. Uh, They ran out of time, couldn't get get a stop late in the game. But if they can carry over the momentum that they put together in the second half of that game into Week 3, I feel good about their chances to win the game as long as Burrow can play. Because, let's face it, Q, I'm just going to be honest with you, I didn't like Jake Browning in college at Washington. I know he was beloved at Washington. He was was like a four-year starter, and everybody still loved him there. But he never excited me. I was shocked to see that he won the backup job with them this year. (laughs) I was like, Jake Browning, of all people? John Clifford's playing backup quarterback in Green Bay. Like, what's going on with all these guys that I thought weren't even very good to get out of college? Uh, so I think they're in a bad spot without him. So I think that they uh, really need to hope that Burrow can play. Maybe exercise a little bit of caution because I think he still can beat the Rams without him, but your offense is going to have to be better as a whole. it has got to sustain what they did in the second half of that game. Just carry it over into the next game. You just can't go back to square one where you were in week one in the first half of week two.
0: Talking all things NFL right now with Nick Shook here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Got to ask you about the Chicago Bears, or maybe it's just the city of Chicago. What in the hell is going on there? Justin Fields, he's, you know, struggling right now. Don't know what's going on with him moving forward. The defensive coordinator's out of there. There's all kind of different storylines around him. Not going to speculate on what's going on with him, but it doesn't look good. Man, I want to say dumpster fire, but Nick, it feels like whatever's going on in Chicago is actually worse than a dumpster fire.
1: You know what this is? I think this is the product of a fan base and other people listening to that fan base build their expectations way too high entering <laughs> a season. I I there's I a lot of questions in a number of different radio interviews in the summer thinking that we're just all concerned about how the Bears are going to take that next step. They're a great offseason. They're going to take that next step with Justin Fields. I'm like, hold on, guys. Let's be a little patient here. I like they went out and assembled a cast of all pros here. Yeah, they got a, another weapon for him and DJ Moore and everything else, but they also rebuilt their backfield. they rely on, you know, Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson back there, two guys with minimal experience, Herbert more than Johnson. Obviously, since Johnson's a rookie. Chase Claypool was a no-show in week one. He was really a no-show once they acquired him last year. Now, he did have a touchdown catch in week two, so maybe he's starting to figure it out. But And the defensive additions, you know, Yannick Ngakwe, when he signed there, I was surprised because I thought he said he wanted to go to a contender, and I'm like, there's no way he sees this team as a contender. I, I just felt like, what am I not seeing that everybody else is seeing? Well, it turns out everybody else was seeing you know, stuff of, of dreams because this is who the Bears are, I think. They can be better offensively, but it starts up front. Their offensive line does not give Justin Fields the most time to throw, and I was kind of surprised to see all the criticism of Justin Fields this week, that he holds onto the ball too long, that he's playing robotic. He admitted that he felt like he was playing robotic and he was thinking too much and kind of pointed some of the criticism maybe unintentionally back to his coaches when asked to explain it, um, but it's, you know, so he's got a little bit of it, you know, some of it's on him. But also, they don't protect him well enough. They just don't. Like, he, he was forced to take off too much in Week 1. He didn't really have time to take off in Week 2. He, he would rip the occasional deep shot down the field. He would also make the dumb error, you know, throwing. He threw a pick-six to Quay Walker that was just dumb. Uh, he made a similar mistake in Week 2. It's, it's just not working for them right now on both sides of the ball. But it really does start up front for me for that. So, uh, I think that they have to figure out how to better protect him and how to establish more of a ground game if they're going to want to have a shot in any of these games. Because they do have a, a good amount of young talent. Some kids I really like on the back end of that defense that have a lot of potential. But the problem is is when you set the expectations high, when you think, you know, the NFC North is wide open, the Bears could make some noise. I, w- I tried to temper those expectations in the offseason because I'm like, guys, this is still a team that's at least a year away from seriously thinking about the playoffs. A successful season for them is not contending for the playoffs. because the successful season for them is getting Justin Fields comfortable and, and helping him take the next step as a quarterback. And through two weeks, they're not doing that. So now everyone's panicking, and the walls are falling down around them because they're not looking anything like they expected. But what they need to come to realize is that their expectations were too high. Now, I also wonder, you know, as a club, organizationally, what's going on in that building right now? Justin Fields had to call a second press conference on Wednesday to right. clarify things after he was just being honest. He was just being candid. And then pointed the blame at all the media members for distorting his words. Like, no, you... That, that, none of this needs to happen, and then you lose your defensive coordinator for whatever issues he's dealing with. I'm sure we'll find out eventually whether you know it's what it is. Uh, you know, like you said, we're not going to speculate. It's a tough situation for Matt Eberflus. You know, a second year coach who has a lot on his plate suddenly. But again, I think this all comes back to the fact that people thought too much of this team. If you came into the season, you thought, hey, you know, I'd be happy to win six games. Congrats. You right. were the worst team in football last year. Let's not think that one offseason is going to send you to the playoffs already. Give them some more time, and maybe they'll actually be able to figure it out.
0: So the million-dollar question, Nick, when it comes to the Chicago Bears, next year they have the Panthers' first-round pick. They have their first-round pick. Are they picking a quarterback in the first round next year?
1: I would hate to see that happen
0: um, because
1: I think that the review on fields is very incomplete. I don't think we've – been able to see what he can really do at the NFL level. Um, from his days at Ohio State, he was a good passer. Yeah. He was also a good runner. He ran way too much last year because they didn't really have anywhere to throw the football. He doesn't really have anywhere to throw the football right now because he doesn't have much time to throw. Him and DJ Moore did get on a better you know, page last week than they did in week one. I think they tripled his total receptions from two to six. But, you know, overall, I mean, there's still 15 games to play. Yeah. and And you hope that By the time we get to the halfway point of the remaining games, you get, you know, seven, eight games into that stretch, then maybe they figured something out offensively and they have an answer for that. I just think, you know, we live in such an instantaneous society. You know, we expect instant gratification and everything else. It's week two, guys. Like, let's just give them the rest of the season before we get ready to fire people and replace people so quickly. Now, that's a lot of capital to trade to maybe move up if you have to. And if it goes as bad as it's going right now, you won't even have to trade up to take quarterback. Maybe you find yourselves in the driver's seat for Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever ends up emerging as the top quarterback from this class. I just, I'm hesitant to pull the plug on somebody who I feel like you've never really given a fair shot to prove that he can be your starting quarterback.
0: You yeah. know, I, I feel the same exact way. I just know that Ryan Poles didn't pull the trigger on him, right? Yeah. That's And so yeah. that's that's yeah. always that asterisk that I look at. i like, okay, <laughs> right? Well, so. that's the
1: same thing that's going on in Arizona right now,
0: yep. you know? Uh, you know Monty board did not draft Kyler Murray, right. and, uh, and Jonathan
1: Ginn was not the coach that said go get Kyler Murray either, so... Everybody expects them to move on and be in the driver's seat for Caleb Williams, but that might not be the only team right now. It is very interesting, and it is a historically has proven to be true that when the GM or the coach that's in charge did not make the pick on your most prominent players, they are much more willing to move on from them and get a guy that fits them. I just hope that doesn't happen to Justin Fields because I just feel like he hasn't gotten a fair shot at this point.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this season for sure shakes out for Chicago because, again, they're they dealing with a lot and it's way too early in the season to be dealing with as much as they are right now. Nick Shook is with us here from NFL.com on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. Sunday night football, prime time. It's the last game of the weekend. Of course, there's Monday night football. We've got a, a doubleheader this upcoming Monday. That'll be fun. But the Steelers are in town taking on the Raiders, Allegiant Stadium. How are you looking at this primetime matchup and historical rivalry from back in the day? Oh, man. I I have a hard time figuring out what the Raiders are right now. We all do. We all do, Nick. We
1: all do. Don't feel bad. They were were so overmatched against the Bills. I mean, they had that great first drive, and Jimmy Garoppolo's connecting with Derek Carr, and everything's looking great, and that was it. It's like they just packed it up and disappeared from there. Another guy... Uh, and I I say, yeah, did I say Derek Carr? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you made my God. <laughs> One, I had a little alarm go off my head like, you said something wrong there. Devontae <laughs> Adams, Derek Carr's buddy from Fresno State, former teammate professionally and collegiately. Right. They were hooking up on that drive. And then after that, it was over. Uh, they missed Jacoby Myers a whole lot in that game, I'll tell you that. And and Josh Jacobs, nine carries for negative two yards. Look, we got to figure out the running game here. And mm-hmm. I've seen this way too often right now. Uh, teams that just cannot establish any sort of presence on the ground and putting way too much on their quarterback against good teams. And the Bills feasted in that game. So who are the Raiders? Are they the team that were able to you know, eke out a win against the Broncos in Week 1? Or are they a team that you know, was soundly beaten by a better team in Week 2? The Steelers, meanwhile, uh, you know, who was who, their offense? Matt Canada was hearing fans call for his job mm-hmm. on Monday night. in a yep. the game they won! They won right, right because their defense accounted for 12 points plus the two extra points 14 of the 22 points came on defensive scores that offense is not in a good place right now but they have talent it's much like kind of like the bears uh their offensive line not living up to expectation at all and i think that uh they have a bit of running back controversy between jalen warren and Najee harris Warren looks like the more explosive better runner right now and he's the guy who did, made more of a difference on the ground in that game at least visually speaking so Maybe they lean on him a little bit more and start to establish a little bit on the ground. Um, I know that the Bills finally figured out how to run the ball against the Raiders, and if the Steelers take a similar approach, I think that they'll find success against the Raiders, and that doesn't bode well for the Raiders. Because if that happens, then maybe Kenny Pickett will actually be able to settle in, which he has not done to this point in this season. And suddenly you're finding yourself in a situation very similar to the one that you faced against the Bills last week. Steelers' defense is good. Pass rush is solid. You know, secondary is opportunistic. Levi Wallace had a terrible game on Monday night and nobody talked about it because they won the game and, and he didn't have to get, you know, put under the microscope. But, uh, so if the Raiders are going to try to go after anybody, it's probably him, but he's got a history of playing good football when he was in Buffalo. So I think right now I'm leaning Steelers. I think I picked the Steelers and this is a good game for them to finally figure some things out offensively and quiet some of the haters, uh, on Matt Canada who are justified, I think, because he makes some very questionable play calling decisions at times. So we we are setting up for that game in Vegas you know it's at the Death Star and everything else was great but one team that's not going to get intimidated by a setting like that, and they're probably going to travel really well when it comes to their fan base, is the Steelers, and I expect them to come in there and win. Not saying it's going to be a blowout, right? I think it might be the first glimpse of the Steelers' offense as we envisioned it entering the season.
0: Well, I'll tell you, the, the Raiders are what two and a half point favorites. So I'll let you know what the what Vegas thinks of uh, of the Raiders, and I mean, you usually get three points at home. So if you're only two and a half point favorites, you kind of know that everyone's expecting this one to be a really good game, really close game, at least to close out the uh, the Sunday slate of NFL action. One final question. question. Question for you, Nick, and it's only because I know that you're so locked in on football in general. Colorado, Oregon. I mean, there's some really good games in the college ranks this weekend, but I think all eyes are on Colorado. What have you thought about what Coach Prime has done there, and what do you think about this one where is Colorado and Oregon a big-time matchup in the Pac-12?
1: I think Deion Sanders is a polarizing figure who has attracted a ton of new eyeballs to college football, which is only beneficial for the sport but I also think that it, it increases the volume on the conversation, the discourse surrounding him, because you welcome in a lot of casual fans who would never be interested in college football. Otherwise yep. I've seen it firsthand. Uh, I think he's done a great job, you know, handling the transfer portal and remaking 80% of that roster. His son's a solid quarterback who's suddenly being projected to be a first round pick. They're going to miss Travis Hunter because of the spleen injury that he suffered in that game against Colorado state. But I think that that game also exposed Colorado for what they are, which is a ton of skilled players and not a lot in the interior on both sides of the ball and if there's a team that's going to be able to take advantage of that, it's Oregon, who does have those guys on the interior. Not saying that they're going to get blown out or anything like that, because the skill players often matter more than anything else in college football, and it's going to be a great game to watch. But I think after narrowly escaping in a game against a Colorado State team that should not be you know, playing with a Colorado team, if you think they're that good, uh, I think that they're kind of cruising for their first loss of the season. And it's not the worst thing, because, no. look, Colorado was an afterthought for years in college football. Dion comes in and does all this overnight, and suddenly they're the talk of the town. I just think that, you know, it's great for the early portion of college football when you get so many cupcake matchups and you kind of miss out on some of the big storylines before things get really interesting. Um, It's been great for that, but I also think that eventually we're going to figure out that Colorado is still working their way toward becoming, you know, a power program with Dion at the helm. But man, I'll tell you what, initial results have been very good. It's been fun to watch been Fun to see college football break out of its college football world and you know into the mainstream you know news cycle. I mean, they had a 60 minute segment on Dion last Sunday after the <laughs> NFL game, yeah. But I do think that they're going to get a bit of humble pie this weekend against an Oregon program that is many people thinking could be a contender for the Pac 12 title and potentially college football playoff.
0: Well, Oregon is a 21 point favorite, so that <laughs> tells you that's probably too high. <laughs> I do, I agree, I agree, that's too high, but it just kind of lets you know what, what most people believe is going to happen this weekend. I'm intrigued. I'm all eyes on on this game. I'm so fired up by seeing it. I just want to see what it looks like, and that's how it's been for the last three weeks. I want to see what it looks like when it comes to Colorado and what Coach Prime has been able to do. Well, fantastic stuff as always, Nick. It's great to catch up with you. What are you working on? I know you got the quarterback rankings, but what are you working on that we should be on the lookout for?
1: Well, that just went up yesterday, and you can hop in my mentions and tell me I'm an idiot because that's what everybody does. Uh, <laughs> this week, the, the team's fans who hate me the most are the Minnesota Vikings because mm. their cousins didn't make the top ten. Last week, well, actually, the Detroit Lions fans are also in there, too, because Jared Goff is 11th and not 10th as well. But we'll deal with that from week to week. So keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, New Gridiron podcast episode we recorded on Wednesday night. It's been up since yesterday. You can find that on Spotify, YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, all your favorite platforms. It's Grid and then Iron is in brackets. We talk about football and Formula One there. Uh, Recap the NFL week two. And also uh, a really fun race at F One. I'm looking forward to the race that they have in Suzuka in Japan this weekend as well. Uh, that season's getting into, you know, it's basically decided who's going to win the title, but it's still very interesting for the midfield as well. Um, and then locally, if you ever are interested in some Cleveland sports uh, and Cleveland sports and beyond in the NFL, I do a uh, hour segment on Tuesdays on the Big Play Sports Network, which you can also find on YouTube, uh, called the Bold Ball Breakdown, where me and my fellow bald co-host Chico Borman go around the NFL. We focus on the Browns for a while, then we go around the NFL. You can find that on YouTube and on Twitter as well.
0: There you go. Hey, man. You always grinding, always working. And don't look now, but F one is on its way to Vegas. November, baby. F one will be here. Streets are already transformed. It's going down. So uh yeah,
1: we're Yeah, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna have to spend a little bit of time talking about that when that comes up. I'll be happy to talk F one with you.
0: Done deal. Hey man, book it. Write it down in the in the notebook. Ari put it up on the wall and don't flip me off anymore, Ari. Did I tell you that Ari yeah. flipped me off at the beginning of this? He flipped me off at the beginning of this interview. Did I tell you that? You gotta give you the signal, you know. Yeah, That's he, he g- knows that you're starting. Yeah, he gave me some kind of signal <laughs> that I didn't appreciate, but it's okay. <laughs> we'll work it out, Nick. <laughs> hey, man, enjoy the weekend. Great stuff, brother. I appreciate you as always. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, you. So there he was, Nick Shook, fantastic stuff, NFL.com, at the Nick Shook on Twitter. And, hey, look, sometimes we get rolling, and we get rolling. So that's what we do. We're here live at Buffalo Wild Wings. We got Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. He'll be coming up in a few minutes. Of course, we'll still get some text in, get a couple calls in. You know how we do. We jam everything in as we try to close this thing out strong on this Friday. Again, Buffalo Wild Wings is the spot. Come holler at us with Radio Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Subs. Make sure you check out Subs six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Subs neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at PortaSubs.com.
3: It's Lee Sterling from
1: Paramount Sports, brought to you by Joe Stonecrab, located inside the Caesars Forum Shops
2: on Unnecessary Roughness.
0: And we are joined right now by Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Elite, Lee, thanks so much for your time as always. We definitely appreciate you, my man. Week three of the NFL season is officially underway. The 49ers got on top of the Giants on Thursday night football. What would you think about the 49ers' performance?
2: Wow. I mean, they're loaded. I mean, they should have put them away. They should have won that game by five touchdowns. But uh, if that's your only problem, putting teams away, well, we can work on that in practice.
0: Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. And then on Thursday as well, uh, Trayvon Diggs from the Cowboys, he went down with a torn ACL. He's out for the season. The Cowboys' defense is loaded, but how big of a blow do you think that is for the Cowboys, who are currently undefeated?
2: I mean, you can't even describe it. It's that big. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Michael Parsons might be bigger, but he's one of the top 10, 15 defensive players in the NFL. So just feel bad. I mean, you want all these players to be at their best and all these teams to have all their weapons, but uh, we're not going to see that. I just think these these Players are just training too much year round. Yeah, you need to break more.
0: No, you know what? You're you're right. You're right about that. It does feel like that. There's so much training going on that a lot of these uh, injuries are happening. Uh, and you know, he was he got injured on one on one drills. It wasn't even a game. It wasn't yeah. seven on seven. It was just one on one. So yeah, there's there's so many different elements in play, and it just sucks. Uh, that's a really good player for the Cowboys, but their defense is loaded, so I'm sure that they're going to be just fine. Uh, but you know, just hate to see that for the guy again. Lee Sterling for ParamountSports.com is our guest here. At Red Nation Radio. 920. Well, Lee, we got to look at some action coming up this weekend. We're going to uh, give the lines out and you let us know where to you know, what side of it is a good decision. So uh, let's start off with a game that I'm excited about man. In then the college ranks 13th rank Alabama going up against 15th rank Ole Miss. Alabama minus seven versus Ole Miss. Break this one down for me.
2: Wow. <laughs> I mean, are we starting to see maybe the beginning of the end here for Alabama? I think so. I'm watching this game and I'm just not impressed with the guys that they have at wide receiver and running back, even the defense. I mean, the front seven doesn't scare you. So if Omis is gonna get him, this is the time here. Nick Saban, I think that he was desperate last week, decided to change quarterbacks. That's not his problem. Jalen is fine. Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson we put in against South Florida just not uh ready for prime time here. And you know, they beat a bad, a really bad and struggle against the bad South Florida team. As far as firepower, Alabama averaging just 5.8 yards per snap. And what has Ole Miss done? They're averaging 8.19 yards per snap here. I think Lane Kiffen becomes the fourth former assistant to beat Nick Saban here. Wrong team's favorite. Ole Miss outright thirty-one twenty-seven.
0: Man, it pains me to agree with you on this one. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it pains me. I have no ties, lead to Alabama whatsoever. I ain't never even been to Alabama. I don't know what it even looks like. But in my house, we yell out Roll Tide all day long. And <laughs> I just don't see it, man. I don't see Alabama Roll Tiding it up on this one. Uh, I just think that they're not that good of a team this year. I think the reality is... They're just not that good. Like you said, it could be, you know, the start of the changing of the guard, and that would be, whew, that would be a, a shift, a, a massive shift in college football. There you go, 13th ranked Alabama, minus seven, versus 15th ranked Ole Miss. How about this one in the college ranks? How about Texas A&M and Auburn? Nice little SEC battle here. Texas A&M, minus seven and a half, versus the Auburn Tigers. How do you see this one shaking out?
2: So, I, I think A&M was in a bad spot when they played Miami. This was a team, A&M, that... You know, has a lot of talent. They have a quarterback, Connor Wegman, who's coming along and I think they just roll into Miami and beat them like last year, but Miami's ready for that game. They also, A&M turned the ball over three times. They allowed a lot of kick return for a touchdown, uh, but I think this is a talented team here ready to take off. Last year, they averaged only 219 yards per game passing. This year, 337. I think Connor Wegman's going to be an NFL starting quarterback. I think he's got at least three, maybe four or five receivers on that team are going to be playing at the next level on Sundays here. And Auburn's offense, no clear offensive identity at all here. I think A&M, I think they get revenge for last year's 13-10 loss at Auburn. They just had so many injuries in that game. I think they had like only one starting offensive line starting that game. I like A&M here big, 37-20 over Auburn.
0: Man, there it is right there. Big-time beat down for the Texas A&M Aggies over the Auburn Tigers. Again, we're talking right now with Lee Sterling for ParamountSports.com here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Let's go ahead, Lee, and let's move to the NFL. little week three action. Again, it got underway on a Thursday night with the 49ers winning versus the New York Giants to improve to 3-0 on the season. But let's look at the Miami Dolphins. They're cooking with grease right now. Going up against the Denver Broncos, who, well, they're not cooking at all. Miami's 2-0. No, Denver's 0-2. Dolphins minus 6.5 versus the Broncos. Lee, how do you see this one shaking out?
2: So, Jalen Waddell it looks like he's trending towards not playing in this game, and how big is that? I mean, when those two guys are in there, they're number three and four guys. Braxton Perrios, River Craycraft have been incredible this year, but without him, it's a little bit tougher. So, this Denver team, they play down to the competition. They play up uh, when they seem like they, when they're just totally overmatched. They do have cluster of injuries at the safety position, but their offense has been better. I mean, they conceivably could be 2-0. and They had a shot against Vegas. They probably should have gone to overtime, should have been a call on that pass interference on the last play of the game after they complete the Hail Mary here. Russell Wilson looks better here. He's got some weapons at receiver here. And the Dolphins off 2-0 and on the road here might be a little bit complacent here. This is where the Dolphins don't do their best work here. I think goes down to the wire. I think Miami escapes 26-23, but... I think six and a half points is too much
0: here, Q. There you go. I can see that. I can see that. I'll tell you right now, all the Raider Nation just said, okay, as long as Denver loses, hey, it can be (laughs) close, but you want to see the Denver Broncos lose and drop to 0-3 on the season. I know, Raider Nation, that's how they're feeling, but I can see it being a close one, and Denver is playing tough, right? And uh, you mentioned they got the Hail Mary last week, should have got the pass interference call. It was obvious they didn't call it, and uh, who knows how it would have shook out then, but uh, there you go. Miami's one of the best teams in the league right now, but I can see them on the road, especially against the O and T two team getting a little complacent. As you mentioned, again, we're talking with Lee Sterling for ParamountSports.com here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Well, Lee, we've got to close things out like week three is going to close out, at least for Sunday, and that's in prime time. The Raiders hosting the Steelers right here in Vegas, Allegiant Stadium, season home opener. Both teams come in at 1-1, one and one, and, of course, this is going back, way back in the day, a historic rivalry. The Raiders right now minus 2.5 versus Pittsburgh. Lee, how do you see this one breaking down?
2: Well, if we could only bring back the coaches, you know, Noel (laughs) And and all this would be great. And Bradshaw, I mean, so many memories I have of these two teams playing each other. But uh, I think there's a bad setup here for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh coming off that Monday night game. If you saw their defensive players interviewed after the game, they were spent. I mean, to come up with two defensive scores to win the game, your offense, they've got problems. I mean, the offensive coordinator, Canada, I think he's gone maybe by mid-season here. Kenny Pickett's trying here. You know, they just uh, doesn't have the protection here. He's got to throw it in less than two seconds to have any type of shot here. Uh, got one receiver here in Pickens. Uh, really not much help other than that here. There's no running game. And they're traveling cross-country over the Rockies, I think it's a tough setup. And, and let's be honest, Las Vegas is in a tough, tough spot here facing Buffalo last week. And they were going to be ready to play here, so... Hey, what they say, any given Sunday here, I think Vegas gets it done here. We're going with the Raiders here, 24-17
0: over the Steelers nice 24-17 and uh, Raider Nation will take it there's no doubt about that improving their overall record to 2-1 on the season as they prepare for week 4 action and the LA Chargers there you go man a couple of great college games couple great NFL games exciting stuff man football is back and it's better than ever loving all the football action in the college ranks and the NFL Lee if anyone wants to reach out to you uh, and get some information from you sign up for your services what do they need to do
2: just go to the website it's a huge weekend we're 25-12 25 and 12 record college football in the NFL since the start of the preseason. I don't think anyone has an, a documented record even close to that. We have our college football underdog shocker going tomorrow. Anyone wants to get involved? Never been with us before? Try uh, the world famous Baker's dozen. 13 games combined college football and the NFL. Just ninety seven dollars. Also the UFC. Five big selections starts at one o'clock your time. Out there in the afternoon, five selections, just $25 on a UFC fight night. We're locked and ready to go. Just one place, ParamountSports.com.
0: There it is right there, and there he is right there, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Again, on Twitter, at Paramount Sports, and with us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, each and every Friday. Lee, fantastic stuff as always, my man. Enjoy all weekend long, full of action, college and NFL ranks. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Q. There he goes, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Definitely appreciate him. And his efforts here on Radio Nation Radio 920. 440 is the time. We're still here at Buffalo Wild Wings. We're on the north side. So uh, you got a couple more minutes to come on by and pick up some of these prizes. We have tickets. We have t shirts. We have hats. We have coots. No, we don't have any hats. The hats are gone. We have some coo- Oh, no, we do have a hat. There's one more hat left. So you can come get a hat as well. Get hooked up. Like I can say we have about eh, 20 minutes left in today's show. Uh, we'll take your calls and text 702 365 9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword RNR. Uh, my man Ari's prepared Reason or Excuse. So we got that. On the way as well. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. It's
3: time for Reason or Excuse on Unnecessary Roughness.
0: And before my man RA takes over the wheels of steel to get in the reason or excuse as we close out on this Friday, Rich in Oakland hit us up on the WBroke.com text sign at 69187 keyword RNR. The Raiders win if Jacobs gets going, Jimmy doesn't turn the ball over, and Patrick Graham's defense doesn't make Pickett look like an all pro. If he comes into Allegiant and he likes with the Raiders, I want Patrick Graham fired. Period. Must win. Rich in Oakland. So very. As a matter of fact, straight to the point. And look, you never want to be that team. And what I mean by that team is a team that makes just anybody look like somebody, right? You don't want to be that team where hey, offense is struggling to get going. That's cool. Play the Raiders, right? You don't. You don't want to be that team. So I understand what you're saying. I don't know what the you know how much heat is on Patrick Graham right now, but I do know he's no longer on the sideline. He's in the booth, and that tells me all I really need to know. That's all I need to know. So with that being said, thank you, Rich, for that text. I appreciate you. Ari, what you got for us? Reason uh, or excuse?
3: All right. Uh, our good buddy Mark McMillan, Grillin McMillan, uh, tweeted, They paid Jones how much, and this is what they are getting on their return. Stop making excuses for him and blaming the wide receivers. Daniel Jones is an average quarterback who hit the New York lottery. The wide receivers, and I'll add Darren Waller into there because I know there's some uh, haters listening right now. Uh, Tight end Darren Waller. And the wide receivers are not to blame. The Giants are horrible because Daniel Jones is average. Reason or excuse?
0: Look, I don't think Daniel Jones is very good at all. And it's funny that you said that. Uh, I had a production meeting this morning for ESPN. We do it every morning just to kind of get our idea for what we're going to do in the night. And I'm on with Myron Metcalf tonight, and we were talking about this very subject, and he was saying how I don't think Daniel Jones is a very good quarterback. That's what he said. And our producer got really upset and was like, wait, what do you mean? Like, he's just not that good. Like, I mean, look what he did last night. He said, well, he played a good defense. He played a good defense. He's like, okay, so why does the goalpost move for him but it doesn't move for other quarterbacks? And I was like, I got to agree 100%. Daniel Jones is just not good. I think Saquon Barkley really made him last year. and He was healthy. And without a healthy Saquon Barkley, you saw what happened last night. He looks bad. Even with Darren Waller out there, he still looks bad. Even with Jalen Hyatt out there who can stretch the field, he still looks bad. Guess what? Daniel Jones is just bad. He's just not a good quarterback. I know that people in New York don't want to admit it. They want to think that Brian Dayball is going to save him, but he's not that good. And on top of that, you should have known that because there's a reason why the Giants only gave him a two-year deal. If he was that good, you think they would have gave him a two-year deal? No. They would have said, well, we're going to lock this guy up for about four or five years. But there's no way they were going to do that because he's just not that good. So I'm not blaming the, uh, the the receivers. I'm not blaming any of those guys. It's all on Daniel Jones. So if they're blaming the receivers, then, uh, yeah, that's an excuse because Daniel Jones is just not that good.
3: Not good or a lot of money, too, for being, uh, quote, it's not, not good. I mean,
0: and, and honestly, it's not that much money. I mean, it's like, what, 80, $88 million, $80 million over two years? Okay, so he's I mean, $40 million. I'm not mad at the money. Because it's kind of the going rate for quarterbacks, even though it shouldn't be. Like everybody shouldn't make 40 million a year, right? Especially not Daniel Jones. But that's kind of what it is. Maybe But on. show me something. Right? I mean, look, if 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 but this again goes back to the running back market, right? We had people call in pissed off because of how the Raiders ended up negotiating the contract with, with Josh Jacobs. They only got a, a one year deal, you know, for the for the twelve million dollars, you know, max, that's that's great. But at the end of the day, it's always about the quarterback position. And I would have liked to seen Saquon get paid more than Daniel Jones, but Saquon is often injured. As he's injured right now, he's probably going to miss at least three games with a high ankle sprain. So it's just it's like or you do, you do, you don't. But Daniel Jones is not that good, and he just happens to benefit from being better than, well, what other options they have right now. Yeah. So there's that.
3: He is, uh, quote, serviceable, I guess we'll, we'll use serviceable that. Serviceable is usually, a nice way to say it. Very nice. Yeah, I'm being yeah. very generous. That's, yeah. So, uh, The Jets offered former Chiefs backup quarterback Super Bowl champ Chad Henney a contract, but he declined, saying, quote, I hung up them cleats, not the phone. Up, oh, I, I hung up. It's a weirdly tweet, but, but he's basically saying I hung up the cleats, not the phone, but I hung up the cleats uh, for the right reasons. I didn't want to go back and put my body into it. Uh, it's the Jets who lost their. Whole, it's, it's the Jets. Let me just say that right. They lost their whole of, Hall of Fame quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. He's out. There's a lot of uh, pessimism this season. So, if it was, if it was Rodgers, like I bet he'd say yes. But now that he's out, does he say he just doesn't want to put his body through all that? Is that really like the reason? No, he's that? had a hell of a career.
0: He's sure. had a hell of a career. But
3: you wouldn't want to play with Aaron Rodgers versus without Aaron Rodgers. I'm saying.
0: No, that, because you're not playing anyway. You know what I mean? Like. Chad Henney has had a great career as a backup, as a career backup. Like his body is good to go. Now, would you want to collect a check? Maybe, but if you if you don't need the money, do you really want to collect a check? Yeah. Do you want to really go get prepared? I just think he's done with football. And I think that's okay. Sure. Okay. I like I don't it. think Aaron Rodgers or Jesus, I don't think he wants to <laughs> play football. Right? I mean I just that's the bottom line. I just don't think I don't think that he's a big fan of wanting to play right now. I think that he had his career. He's good to go, and he's like, you know what, cool, I'm done. And and whatever reason he decided to hang it up, maybe it was family-related, who knows. But he's good. Again, he's made a lot of money, and he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his body because he hasn't played a whole lot.
3: Clean break? No Sorry. pun intended.
0: Hey, when he breaks, <laughs> he breaks.
3: All right. All right, and uh, one more. This is the, the tweet from one of the, uh, you know, well, as I call them, the uh, aggregate sports accounts that I won't name. Something I don't agree with, Giants rookie wide receiver Jalen Hyatt has only played nine snaps and had zero targets in uh, last night's game. Hyatt created a huge spark for the Giants in their comeback win last week, recording 89 yards on just two catches. So he's a big play waiting to happen. Giants need a big play. Get him on the field, reason or excuse.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think that they do need to get him on the field because, well, they, they need a, pl- a big play. Um, but they don't have a guy that can get him the ball that often consistently, I don't think. Again, we just oh, I just spent a lot of time trashing Daniel Jones. I'm going to keep that up. I, I just don't think – look, Jalen Hyatt doesn't do a whole lot of stuff as far as running the route tree. He comes from Tennessee, and that's that uh, Josh Heupel wide-open offense where basically it's like, hey, run to an area. Oh, this play is designed for you, so you're going to be the main target here. So it's not like he just is a, is a you know, great route runner. But you know what he can do? He can stretch the field. And that's what he's good for. And that's what I think that that speed that he has is good for. Just run him on nine routes. Make him keep the, uh, you know, the defenses honest. And every once in a while, throw him a, throw him a ball. I don't know why he only got on the field a couple times. You know, I don't know why he's had so many limited snaps because the Giants need all the playmakers possible. You know, Maybe they don't trust him at this stage of the game, or maybe they don't trust their quarterback to get him the ball. It's probably the second part. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't really think it's an excuse. I just think it's, you know, it just kind of is what it is, I guess.
3: Might have helped last night or not. I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe it just wouldn't matter.
0: You know, maybe, <laughs> but to get them down the field, they've got to have great protection on the offensive line, and the offensive line is not that great as you saw the 49ers give them a lot of hell last night, so <sighs> there's that. Yes, they did. Right. So there you go. That's, that's what you got. Reason or excuse, huh?
3: That's that.
0: All right, cool. <laughs> well, what do you got for a uh, day of the day?
3: All right, uh, grab your besties on September 22nd. It's National Girls Night, and yes, I brought that for us. Who cares? It's Girls Night, so that's encouraging women to gather with their best friend, best girlfriends, for a night in to relax, recharge, and foster meaningful connections.
0: Are you trying to tell me on a on on a in an event where there's a million different days of the day you pick?
3: Yes, because that's the whole point is to is to mess with you basically and and it gets you all riled you up and annoyed national, so. What did
0: you pick? you picked National Girls Day?
3: Girls Night, yes.
0: Girl okay, you picked Girls <laughs> Night. And it's me and you on this show. Yes. So, so
3: so yes, I'm I'm trolling you basically because you're always like they're stupid these national then, days. Let's see if all you'll give me one.
0: And this <laughs> is my exact reason. This is so stupid. Yes. You tell me you couldn't have found one that maybe a fit the description a little bit better
3: i'm gonna tell you why because there's national ice cream cone day you're not a big ice cream guy
0: but ice cream so- <laughs> makes more sense than national <laughs> girls night when it's two dudes on the show
3: sure all right what about uh national elephant appreciation day would that have gone any better for you Hey,
0: right, man look i can appreciate <laughs> a good elephant who doesn't appreciate a good elephant
3: i don't know man you have some some weird stuff sometimes with these so i i, I don't know i strayed away from that one but so that's so we'll change it up then to national elephant appreciation day
0: I can appreciate an elephant.
3: Love. Show some love.
0: I mean, don't we all show appreciation to elephants? Yes, who,
3: as it who, says, is all there ages. Any, is
0: there anyone who doesn't like an elephant? Like, that's the an animal that nobody doesn't like an elephant, right? I would hope not. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Except so, the
3: hunters, I guess.
0: Oh, see, why do you have to terrible. go make a dark twist, a dark just, turn? You ask me the question. No, but why would you make a dark turn like that? Actually,
3: it's the website's fault because it popped up. It says each day poachers kill approximately 100 elephants for their ivory, meat, bones, and skin.
0: That's not because they don't like them, it's because they're greedy. stuck
3: with Girls' Night.
0: No. But why did you have to make it go on such a dark turn? Hey, I'm just. How come just, we couldn't have just acted like we were at the zoo and the elephant ride and you were just going to get on the back of that big old thing and you're going to ride that thing for a little while I and am, then you're going to get off and you're going to call it a day.
3: I am just here to share the uh, facts. So that's
0: that's just did. cold. I want
3: to speculate on anything.
0: No, it's not speculation. <laughs> you, you, you just, man, you get on that big old thing, you ride that thing, Till so you're done riding it, then you get off it and you call it a day. There you go. Just saying, elephants are cool. They are. I like them. I'm in. Big old thing. Got the big old long. They can
3: draw. Apparently, they can like do your uh, portrait if
0: you ever Man, seen those things. Man, I mean, this things Smart. like they have peanuts going through their nose, <laughs> or you know what I mean, like they pick up stuff with their nose. A lot of great
3: puns around them.
0: Like how how would you how did you get mad at an elephant? I agree. I just think that that's really that's just really wrong, I, Ari. I want you to spend the weekend reflecting on what you've just done.
3: Okay, boss, I will. <laughs> the same guy that said on Fridays everyone should just leave work is now giving they me homework.
0: <laughs> that has nothing to do with being mean to elephants or, or talking about an animal getting killed. You know it, Ari, Ari, Ari. What am I gonna do with you? I don't know. We only we'll be back on Monday. I guess it's Radio Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Portisubs.